0: Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We're starting a new series today. You may have noticed we are in the Gospel of Luke, a new series. It's called Food for the Soul. It's grace in action in Luke's Gospel, and it's different meals. Jesus has in this Gospel with a plethora of different people telling us stuff about who we are, about hospitality, about Jesus, about his attitude towards people, and we're going to go through some different meals that happen and see what we can learn from them. So that was our first person we're looking at is is Levi. I am... I, Josh, not Levi, I met um, Jesus when I was very young. Uh, I gave my life to Jesus, probably, I was that kid with his hand up. Every time anyone asked from the age of two to the age of ten, when a very kind lady told me I didn't have to do it every time that Jesus had heard. And that was lovely. Uh, I, you know, I, I know Jesus sees me. I have I've felt that for myself. I know that he's called me. I know that he's sent me. I also have known many, many times where I've failed. I've messed up. I've wished I'd done it differently. I've known times where i felt ill-equipped underqualified and fearful in fact that happens so often but i also know that jesus is with me in all of this and today we learn about somebody who is really seen by jesus he is called to repentance and he is sent into his world and i bet for him like it has been for me it hasn't been easy it wouldn't have been easy the whole time but there was a moment where he turned to jesus and in the passage we just had read to us we've got i guess three groups three people we've got levi we've got jesus And we've got the others, tax collectors, sinners, Pharisees. And we're going to try and learn from different people's responses in this passage what maybe our response could be um, this morning. So first off, who's Levi? Who's this guy? Well, he's Matthew as well, Simon Peter, Matthew, Levi. It's the same person. Okay, Levi is the disciple Matthew. Uh, And we're not told by the writer here, not told by Luke, whether they've met before, whether Levi and Jesus have met before. It's quite possible that Levi would have heard of Jesus. He's in a small local area as a tax collector in some ways, and Jesus has been beginning to cause a stir in this sort of geographical location. So it's possible Levi has heard of Jesus. We're not told that he has. We do know that he is a tax collector working for the occupying nation. He is Jewish, working for the Romans to take money off the Jewish people. The way that tax collectors earned their money is they took money off the top. So to say they were hated would be an understatement. They were the worst of the worst to the Jewish people. They were traitors. They were hated. They were scum. And they also would have been pretty wealthy, actually. So as Jews go, they would have been wealthy because they were taking lots of money off their fellow Jews. They were really, really dis. Liked, but as the world looked at it, maybe actually he would have had quite a lot of stuff. His house would have been better than most. His financial, the financial implications of his job would have meant that he had a bit of money. But actually, this guy, to them at the time, maybe to some of us as we read it, in some ways, is the last person that should have anything to do with a potential Messiah. And we get to the verses today, a moment for Levi, where his life was about to change drastically forever. It's about to get really real for him. As we go to this first verse again, do look back. We're going to be going through the passage a few times. Do have it open in your pews. Verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. Now this word saw, just straight away we can get into the crux of this. This word saw is more than just a little look with the eyes. This, this word saw in the original is to do with looking into. It's a real soul moment, a real thing. It's being seen into, seeing into somebody's hearts. And these are the eyes that Levi is seeing from Jesus. He is being looked into. Now, bearing in mind, Levi would have been self-aware enough to know that all the things we've just talked about that are true of tax collectors is what people thought of him. Oh, how people saw him, he would have expected abuse, often scorn, disdain, or at least, at the very least, indifference. But what happens here? Levi probably would have expected Jesus to walk on by. But as we read on, we see that Jesus does something rather surprising. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. This is mad. Like, what, what is going on here? Levi's brain's probably exploding. He's likely a fairly clever man. At least with numbers, he would have been good. Likely not to be naive to the Torah, to the stuff that Jewish people would have been taught as they grew up. Likely not naive to the idea of a Messiah. We don't know this, of course, but we don't, we don't know how much Levi knew of Jesus. We've said this already, but he certainly discovered who Jesus was in the coming years after deciding to follow him. But what we do see is Levi respond. He responded to something, was something in the way that he was looked at. Something in the eyes of Jesus that he knew. He knew he had to respond. Let's just pause for a second. What maybe is Levi leaving behind? He would have been likely leaving behind this job. It's not a very moral job, not the kind of job a follower of Jesus in this context would have been able to do. He, he probably is going to have to leave wealth because of, of that ramification, right? And maybe not many of us think of Mrs. Levi. What do you mean you've left financial stability to go and follow this preacher man? He comes up, but darling, the way that he looked at me, the way that he looked at me, you know, um, this, this Friday we had a dinner for a friend, and we shifted gears on the dinner. We did some unexpected things. We changed what the menu was and who was turning up to this party to try and surprise this person for their birthday. It was really fun. And actually, what we get to here is a dinner, a different kind of dinner, with lots of unexpected things happening. Levi left his booth to follow Jesus, but then it's interesting what Levi does next. Levi then held a great banquet for Jesus in his house. And we're going to see that there's some unexpected things here about who he invites to dinner. And the fact that Jesus accepted the invitation in the first place to a dinner with sinners, as we've read this passage, was unexpected in and of itself. But he immediately uses, Levi does, what he has to great effect. It's clear that leaving everything didn't leave him homeless in this moment. You might have thought, though, that Levi would leave his old mates behind. He's met Jesus now, and so his old life is in the past. But actually, that doesn't seem to be what he does. You thought maybe he'd crack on with discipling and getting to know Jesus better, but instead it seems the first thing that he wants to do is to bring everybody he knows from his life to meet the person who has really seen him, to meet Jesus. All the people he was associated with, his colleagues, his friends. And and you know, these meals, it's not like when we have a dinner party, especially when it's cold and we close the door. We're not in our gardens anymore because it's Britain and it's cold. And we go inside and and we have dinner together. And unless we're really, really loud indoors, and even then only our immediate neighbors would know about it, people don't know what we're doing. But actually, these kind of banquets, these kind of meals, they were completely public affairs, which is why the Pharisees are able to overlook it in our passage. So this is a massive statement being made by Levi here, to his whole community, I'm with this guy. I'm with Jesus. Something has changed. He's the guest of honor. Come and see the man who really saw me. And there is such a clearness here of a genuine conversion, genuine repentance, and then a post-conversion party. He's ignored the deterrent of wealth and decided to follow Jesus, following Jesus into a new And despite being despised by many, I think it's really clear that Levi feels free to associate with Jesus. There's something in the way Jesus called him, something in his eye. He feels free to associate with Jesus. He doesn't have all the stigma attached to probably every other relationship that he did. Jesus saw him differently. Jesus saw him and accepted him. And not only did he see him, but he called him to follow him. At all costs, Levi has decided to side with Jesus. So who is this Jesus, the main character in this story? What's he saying? What's he saying by what he's doing as well? There's lots we can learn from the way that Jesus speaks and the way that Jesus interacts when we go through this passage again. So let's skip back to the start. We've had Levi has been seen. He's been called and he's been sent to his world. And Jesus, he sees... He's about to call Levi to do something and he's about to unpack what his mission is in being sent to the world as well. So let's have a look through here. You've got Jesus and he's walking through the marketplace and he sees him, not just physically, but in the way that we're talking about before, he really sees him. He knows the mess. He he sees the way He knows the moral failings, the questionable job decision. He, He sees the cheat, the liar. He sees it all. And what does he do? Follow me. Follow me. Wait, Jesus, do you know who this guy is? The Chosen TV series, some of you might have seen it, I think depicts this moment really well. Have a look on YouTube, it's it's, it's a cool little clip. Where Jesus is there, standing in the market, looking at Levi, in his booth, and he just stares, smiles. He's about to call him, Levi, follow me. And then Peter, and by the way, we always get this wrong. We always think Peter's the guy that does all the stuff we wouldn't have done. Peter's the guy that does all the stuff we would have done. Okay, I am Peter. Lots of you are Peter. And if you don't think you are, anyway. Peter, he comes. Oh, don't worry, Jesus, he got this one. I'll help you. Jesus, this guy's a tax collector. We don't do that. We don't let tax collectors fall. And Jesus goes, I know. And he says to Peter, do you remember who you were when I called you? And there's a moment here where Jesus is showing to to Peter, Jesus is showing in this passage, in the way that he responds to Levi, that he sees people slightly different to how you and I do. He sees people different to how the world might want to look. And what we have to realize about Jesus in this story, but also now, by the way, and we'll get there a little bit later, is that when Jesus looks at someone, he doesn't just see who they are, and he, he accepts them there, right? He calls them there. He's called Levi in this moment. But he also sees the full picture of who Levi could become in relationship with him. And when he sees us in our mess, don't get me wrong, he doesn't want us to stay there and he doesn't like sin. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But he also sees where we could be. And this is the mystery and the depth of grace is that when Jesus sees you, he sees all of it. He sees what you could become. Not just who Levi is in that moment, but who he could be walking with Jesus. The grace of Jesus is so much more than a negative CV or past. Jesus views people by what they could be rather than pigeonholing them into what they currently are. Follow me, Jesus says. And Jesus accepts the invitation to dinner. This is a massive stamp of approval on the genuineness of Levi's conversion in this story. It's also a big tick box and a massive signpost towards why Jesus is here. In Luke 19, verse 10, it's in this gospel, key verse in it. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It's Jesus' mission. And here we see him, and actually that, that verse is what he's just done with Levi. He's sought him, and he's saved him. He's came to seek and save the lost. But at this banquet, the passage goes on, and we see the response of some Pharisees, who say, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? All through this gospel, all through the gospel, we find Pharisees trying to trip up Jesus. They want to make him think about old Leviticus laws and how they matter so much. And and they want him to think of what the expectation should have been at that time on somebody who would call themselves a teacher. And time and time and time again, Jesus acts in a new way. In a way that isn't, isn't limited by those expectations that people were putting on him at the time. Not limited by cultural pressure of the religious elite. Jesus has seen Levi, and he's called him, and now when he's questioned about it at this dinner, he uses this moment to reveal to the Pharisees and to us the Luke 19 verse 10, in a different words. He says, "It's not the healthy, you need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It's Jesus' mission statement. We get a mission statement at the start of this series here at HTC of what Jesus came on the earth to do and therefore what we are called to get involved with. We're going to get there later as well, Josh. Calm down. Back to the... Yeah. It seems to be a qualifying factor in this of who Jesus wants to save. He chooses people who he can cure out of mercy, not out of merit. Jesus sees a sinner who needs saving, and this whole interaction is surrounded by and motivated by grace, and it's in stark contrast, by the way, to the Pharisees, whose motivation is the opposite of both of those things. And Jesus doesn't wait, he doesn't now, he doesn't wait for the sick to come to him, he hunts them out. Eating with sinners, it's part of the ministry of bringing God's healing and forgiveness to those who are sick and sinful. So Jesus blows apart the assumptions of who we think God maybe should be interested in relating to, because of course he relates to people on the basis of grace, not on the basis of our own goodness that we muster up. Thank goodness for that. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Jesus isn't put off, and he wasn't put off in this story by seeing our sin. He's not put off by the real us. If you think he is, I'd test that. Because actually, Jesus, he's not put off because he has a place for that sin to go. He has an answer, he has a remedy. He is the great physician. Jesus sees Levi, Jesus calls Levi, and Jesus uses this moment to let us know what his mission is on the earth. So, what's our response? We've seen Levi, he's been seen, he's been called, and he's gone to his friends we've seen Jesus the one who sees the one who calls and the one with this amazing mission for our world and now us seen called and sent so how do we respond to this we've got obviously stuff we've learned from Levi who he is and how we can relate stuff we've learned as Jesus relates to Levi stuff that we can learn probably from the pharisees and from the sinners we were probably, we're in this bracket of people who need Jesus like those sinners did as well just quickly the pharisees they had missed grace They've missed it in this passage. They were too judgmental, pointing at others before looking at their own dirty hearts. And there is a challenge for us there. There is a challenge for us. Do we have said or unsaid qualifications of somebody who can come to Jesus? Because this passage blows those out of the water. They shouldn't exist. Anyone can come. Anyone can be called by Jesus. If a tax collector can, and so on. And today we need to recognize where we are like Pharisees in attitude and action, and we might be. I'd encourage you. Ask Holy Spirit, is there a way that my actions or my attitude towards others, especially those seeking Jesus, have I put limits on who that can be? Help me, Lord. Help me not to do that. The Pharisees miss the repentance that's taken place in Levi. And what assumptions are we making of others? Levi has started his journey of repentance with Jesus. And we need to come to Jesus, recognizing that we are all equal at the foot of the cross, equal as sinners saved by grace. So, now as we merge the two narratives we've looked at, Levi's and Jesus's, as we merge those two narratives, what, what, can we, what can we learn from that? Well, today I want to say that Jesus, he sees you the real you, not just the fronts that we put out there, the fronts that we put online, the things that we would label ourselves as. Some of these things are true. I am a father. But sometimes that label can actually really hold me back. <laughs> Or not release me into the way that God wants me to live. Brother, sister, the labels that we've put on ourselves or the labels that others have put on us. I'm not talking about those things when I say Jesus sees you. I'm saying that He sees who you are. He sees the good, He sees the bad, He sees the sin, He sees all of it. And I guess what I want to encourage us this morning is that it doesn't matter about any of that stuff, because when Jesus sees you, He gives you a way out, but He also gives you a future of something to do with that way out. He sees you and He doesn't run away. And for some of us, we think we're worth running away from, and we've experienced people run away from us. Jesus won't do that. Jesus doesn't do that. That's not the heart of who Jesus is. He looks on you with eyes of love, swimming with grace. And we're naive to think, fair, and sometimes you feel it's fair, but naive to think, actually, that anything we do, anything we could have done can separate us from this grace. No one is too far gone. Your past can't and won't disqualify you from a future with Jesus it's put well in Romans 5 verse 20 when we're worrying about this stuff where sin increases grace increases all the more Jesus sees us but doesn't leave us after a compassionate lingering look he calls you and I to do something and we hear about it in verse 32 of this passage I have come I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. We're called. We're called to repentance. Jesus embraces those that society shuns. He seeks the loss, not simply out of compassion, but in order to rescue them. Repentance leads to rescue, it's a cause of great joy. Been going through trying to get life insurance recently. My goodness, they want you healthy. There is tick boxes after tick boxes after tick boxes trying to get to the crooks of where you might mess with their system, right? Jesus isn't like that. He's really fine with you sick in fact he's a doctor and it's what he expects he expects you to come to him sick and when we think of repentance I've grown up in a, in a space so often where repentance was more of a dirty word but it's not, it's a freedom word it's a word that we get to take part in, repent and believe our status has changed with Jesus but actually sin doesn't stop And it, when we do mess up, it, it does, it ruins our relationship, it spoils, it can spoil what we have so when it does, we have this amazing freedom word to say sorry, to repent, to turn from what you're doing and to turn into the way that Jesus would want you to do it and to live. And, and to think that this is a one-time thing is also wrong. Daily, we need to come to Jesus, say sorry for the things that we've done, and we, maybe our attitude just, like, shift here is we get to, not we have to. We, it's helpful, right? But we get to. It's a free gift given to us. This grace is amazing. And I don't know about you, but I find times in my life where I've messed up, and because I really want to feel the mess that I've done, or feel the sin that I've done, I want, I want to almost pay for it, right? I let it sit. Revel in it might be a good way of putting it, or at least I let the pain of that stay a little bit longer. I let it hang around. But actually, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, he hung on a tree so that we didn't have to hang around when it comes to responding to what that was all about, to his grace. And he says when we're here sitting in our own sin, going, I'll just I'll feel it a bit longer because I feel a bit bad about it. I should feel bad about it. It was really wrong of me, wasn't it? He said, You know what? I don't disagree that your sin was wrong, but turn back to me now. Please don't wait. Please don't wait. Repentance is asking Jesus to help us every day. And it's a game changer. Levi got it, and he left everything. We don't graduate from grace. It's not something for baby Christians or for the start of our walk. We go on accessing it through repentance. So we're seen, we're called to repentance, and we're sent. Levi went straight to his non-Christian friends. That's such a challenge to me. I really, I really think in that moment, I sort of half expected him to never see them again. But actually, it's a challenge to us as followers of Jesus. Are we intentional about who we invite into our home to meet with us because we know Jesus? Are we intentional with those on our streets, in our workplaces? Is Jesus invited into those things? Maybe asking yourself the question now, where would it pinch if Jesus was in the room and would I be willing for him to be there is a good way of assessing where we are on this. Is Jesus invited into every room that I'm in? This this feels a little bit less about bringing somebody to a corporate event than inviting your friends into your life where you're a follower of Jesus. We opt in. Jesus sees you. But I do think sometimes we worry about what disqualifies us, and we try to make excuses, definitely worldly excuses. Ones that I know that I've made or could have in my own life as a way that I have tried to, in the past, have successfully disqualified myself in the past, but know that now that I shouldn't have done, is, is I didn't go to university, I don't have a degree. And I've always worried in lots of contexts that my ability to communicate clearly and well is, is massively diminished by that. And actually, Jesus has helped me, and Jesus has shown me this is just not the case. And then another thing, when I, was, when I was much younger, when I was sort of 14, 15, 16, standing up and talking in front of a room of five would have been impossible. I had a real issue with personal confidence. I really worried about what was going to come out of my mouth and the ramifications of what might happen if it did. I wasn't a horrible child. I didn't swear lots or anything like that. I just worried about confidence. And I went to God's Word, and this is where we go. I went to God's Word. My dad was really helpful with this. I said I grew up in a Christian family. He helped me with this. And we went through lots of different verses about where my confidence should be in God. And I've told this story at HTC before, some of you will be nodding, remembering I've said this before, but I think it's helpful to today's narrative to say that actually I put what my, what my disqualification was in my own mind before Jesus, sought the truth of what the Bible said about me, and I'm now able to stand in front of you today and speak to you about God's word. And that's pretty cool, isn't it? That's cool. But yes, thank you. So Jesus sees us, Jesus calls us. So what do we need to give up believing is a barrier to us following Jesus because he sends you and I wonder what tomorrow looks like I wonder what this week looks like if we well and truly sent ourselves in the power of Jesus to our world have you gone public about your faith are you willing to go public about your faith it's the first thing Levi did and you know it's contextual to a certain extent but it's very clear that he did that are you willing to go public about your faith especially when it pinches Especially when what it means to be a follower of Jesus labels you with stuff that is difficult in our day today. See, Jesus sees us for who we really are. He calls us to a life of repentance, a daily choice to follow Jesus in everything we do. It's a commitment to go, to carry on seeking to be like Jesus, and he sends us into our world. Maybe you feel unusable today, and you feel like you're in a moment where you need to respond and say sorry for sin. Some of us will be there. That's okay. This is the Jesus we're coming to. Maybe we actually feel quite good. So today is about saying, I take my cross up again. I I decide to follow Jesus again today. Not because you weren't doing it yesterday or you weren't doing it 15 minutes ago, but because deliberately making the choice of going, I'm called by the Jesus that sees the real me and that sends me anyway, making that choice, it should be a daily thing. In the same way that repentance is, our mission is a daily thing that we take on in sharing this amazing grace and living in light of it. Wherever you're going to be found today, Jesus sees you, he calls you, and at all costs, he asks you to side with him. At all costs, he asks you to side with Jesus.